Guys, this is going to be a great episode with Cody Nelson, the owner and manager of the Outdoorsman's in Phoenix. Before we get to this episode, I want to uh, let you guys know that episode 145, What Unit to Apply for, Arizona Bighorn Sheep Fall 2016 Breakdown. Uh, I've gotten a lot of feedback from that podcast episode. If you are a sheep hunter, Uh, Planning to apply in Arizona, that's a great one to listen to with Dar Colburn and Craig Steele and myself breaking down the units of Arizona. So make sure to check out episode 145. Uh, If you have any questions for your uh, bighorn sheep applications in Arizona, feel free to email me at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. I've been helping people kind of think through which units they're going to put in for. And uh, the Arizona deer and and sheep uh, regulations, uh, the, the deadline is coming up here June 14th. So it's about two weeks away. And um, now's the time to get in and uh, do all your research. Uh, check everything you need to check out now. Uh, that episode 145 is a good one. Guys, I want to thank you for your support of supporting the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. You can follow along our adventures at J. Scott Outdoors on Instagram, at Dar Colburn on Instagram, our Facebook page, J. Scott Outdoors. Our YouTube channel is growing every day. I've got a bunch of how-to videos and a bunch of turkey hunting videos and elk hunting videos and field judging uh, bighorn sheep, field judging elk, coos deer hunts. Uh, So check that out, J. Scott Outdoors on YouTube. Guys, I want to thank our sponsors, uh, Wilderness Athlete, The Outdoorsman's, Phonescope, Utah Hydrographics, Elk Hunter, and Western Hunter Magazines, and of course our title sponsor, GoHunt.com Insider. Uh, They have been a great support of this podcast, and without them, uh, I wouldn't be able to put in the amount of time that I do into this podcast. Uh, So I would ask you to support them, make sure to listen to the commercials, and use the uh, J. Scott promo codes when you call these companies or go on their websites. Uh, You're getting a discount uh, by using the J. Scott promo code with, with all of these companies. Also want to thank you guys. You guys are the backbone behind this podcast. And I want to thank you for all the great positive comments that I get from you uh, on my email, uh, uh, on my cell phone, through text messages, through Instagram and Facebook. And uh, keep the questions coming. Uh, Keep the topics that you want to hear and the people that you want to hear on the podcast. I love hearing from you guys. Also want to remind you that if you listen to this podcast regularly on iTunes uh, or Podbean, make sure you're following or you're subscribing. Uh, If you do that, each episode as I download them to the server will automatically go to your device and you can listen right away. If you're not a subscriber, which there are some that just listen and not a subscriber, um, it sometimes takes anywhere from 6 to 24 hours for the new episodes to be downloaded. Another thing, guys, if you could go on iTunes and leave positive comments and positive reviews and leave us a five-star rating, that helps our placement with iTunes, uh, and it just uh, helps the podcast. So I want to thank you guys for all your support. Let's get right to this episode with Cody Nelson at the Outdoorsman's. And remember, you can call the guys at the Outdoorsman's and use the J. Scott promo code and you're going to get a 10% off discount on all Outdoorsman's products. GoHunt.com Insider is by far the most valuable tool a Western hunter could give themselves. GoHunt.com Insider are the industry leaders and number one source for Western hunting for a lot of reasons. GoHunt.com Insider have changed the game for how hunts and hunting information are found. Within a matter of minutes using filtering 2.0, you'll be able to filter by state, species, residency, odds of drawing a tag, specific hunting dates, and harvest success percentages to find the hunts that fit exactly what you're looking for. 
If you are a guy that applies across the West or just in your home state but want to find some new opportunity, there's no better way to do it than using GoHunt.com Insider. As an exclusive offer to my listeners, if you sign up for a GoHunt.com Insider membership for $149 a year and use the promo code JSCOTT, at checkout, you'll receive a $50 Kuyu gift card. Head on over to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and get yourself the most valuable membership a hunter could have. I have known the owners of the Outdoorsmans in Phoenix for over 20 years. They are the authority on optics and hunting gear. Outdoorsmans is the leading designer and manufacturer of high-quality tripods, mounting accessories, and pack systems for all hunters. Their customer service is the best in the business. Go to Outdoorsmans.com or call 1-800-291-8065 and use the J. Scott promo code to receive 10% off any Outdoorsman's products. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we've got good friend Cody Nelson, owner and manager at the Outdoorsman's in Phoenix. Cody, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Jay. Good to be here. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Cody, uh, since we've last talked, uh, you have drawn yourself an Arizona Unit 23 South uh, archery elk tag. Yes, sir, I have. I'm, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what kind of wave I'm riding lately, but uh, I think I better start buying some Powerball tickets or something. I've, I've, yeah. had, a, I've had an antelope tag, a, uh, a, a 13B strip tag, and, uh, and this year I get drawn my favorite elk hunt on the planet and uh i don't know what i'm doing but i I just i'm going to stick it out and and keep keep riding this wave as long as it'll let me yeah for sure i mean uh you and i have spent a bunch of time in there um you've been on several of those hunts where i've guided in that unit and um you were there and, and it played a huge integral part of michael park killing that big giant 435 bull and um, it's going to be fun to... That's my unicorn to, bull, Jay. There it is, that's yeah. My, that's my unicorn. I don't know if it's ever out there again. You and me both. <laughs> we're we're going to give it a we're going to give it a good whirl trying to find another one. That I'll, I'll bet you, I'll, I'll guarantee you that. Yeah, you and me both for sure. It's just funny how those things kind of work out. But um, uh, you know, it's 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 bittersweet uh, for me because um, you drew a tag and well yeah I was gonna uh, say don't don't feel all down in the mouth on that deal you drew a pretty good tag <laughs> yourself yeah and and um, I've been fortunate to be with you on the last couple bulls you've shot and and that's always fun and that's why I say it's bittersweet I drew a, a Utah beaver uh, archery elk permit and it pretty much runs the same time and um so it'll be interesting to see how uh, all the timing with this year's rut plays out. I know I think we've got a, a January or excuse me a September 18th full moon, uh, which I'm sure is going to play a little bit of havoc in everybody's plans this fall. Um, but I believe the Arizona hunt starts on September 9th. September and, 9th uh, is what it is. You know, so I'm betting that first, you know, first four or five days might be a little slow. I think as that moon grows, I think they're going to get more and more into well, it. And you know, Jay, you know, we we have so much fun with these elk hunts, and you know how much you know control we have over, you know, the animals and what they do. I'll just have to wait until you get done with your tag, and and uh, and and I'll just wait till the end of the hunt when you're around. That would be awesome. <laughs> I'm I would be I would be ecstatic if that's how that worked out, and. Uh, uh, hopefully it does, and um, you know it's it's interesting. We got some fires burning down there in the unit, and um, you know it, it, I I'm up here in Carbondale, Colorado for the summer, but I'm monitoring the weather pretty pretty uh, closely, and it looks like this coming weekend you're looking at 115, 117 degree days in Phoenix, which you know up there in 23 South, even though it's uh, higher elevation, you know no, it's probably still going to maybe push 100 degrees. Well, in I was going to say, units. you're, you're going to push at least upper 90s, 100, and I'm just praying that, uh, you know, that, and, and we're also expecting some, uh, I, I, I thought I saw in the weather report on Sunday, it's either Saturday or Sunday, Saturday evening or Sunday, um, they were calling for some thunderstorms and, and rain, so, I, you know, I don't know what's, I, I, God, I just hope this fire lays down and, and they're just doing some, some, you know, maintenance and, and, you know, burning that probably really kind of is going to be beneficial to everybody. Um, yeah. As of, I mean, if you go, go, go ahead. ahead. 
if you look at some of these giant wildfires that Arizona's had, it, you know, the month of June is pretty much when they have just gone crazy with the Wallow Fire and, and um, the Rodeo Chetiskai Fire. And so, you know, you just see these high temps and you see those, you know, the conditions are perfect for, for fires. And it's just, you know, this this seems like this 30-day period, maybe 60-day period, we're all you know, all us Arizonans are just kind of holding our breath, hoping that, you know, we don't get a lightning strike in the wrong place. And Well, um, you know, interestingly enough, Jay, you know, the, the, honestly speaking, that the, the area that's that they're burning right now, or letting burn, I should say, or controlling the burn, um, I believe that they have been and had the paperwork and had everything drawn up for the last eight or nine years. And it wasn't until they got a lightning strike and it wasn't until the conditions were perfect. They actually wanted to do controlled burns in there and they just couldn't get the, you know, the conditions right. And they, and they weren't willing to risk, you know, there, there is some houses and, and there's some, you know, there's a, a lot of old growth timber and, and I, I think they're trying to do it as smart as they can. And, but it, it took that long for the, for a lightning strike and then, and then to have it be, you know, the perfect conditions to where they could get in there and kind of do some good with it. Um, and, uh, and, and we are, like you said, we are in that window right now, but I am, I'm just hoping to all goodness that, uh, that it doesn't blow up on. I just, you know, for the, for the safety yeah, for of the sure. firefighters and the, and the homes around there. Absolutely. For sure. Uh, Cody, on this episode, I want to talk about optics and I want to talk about what you guys are doing at the outdoorsman's. But for me, uh, knowing you for so many years and um, being able to see you interact with with uh, customers and clients and, and, you know, I get all of my optics uh, from the outdoorsmen and have for many years. One of the things that I think uh, if people don't realize is they need to know that the guys at the outdoorsmen are hunters first and foremost. Absolutely. And I, I think... That gets a little bit lost um, when you start looking at some of the up other optics, uh, you know, places where you can buy optics. And, you know, sometimes uh, people try and go for, you know, the very best bottom dollar deal, which usually the outdoorsmen can always provide. But they also have to realize, in my mind, talking to someone that knows the ins and outs, not only of the binocular or the rifle scope or the spotting scope or whatever, whatever they're looking at, but they know guys like that, that work for you uh, and, and yourself know the applications that those binoculars and those optics are, are, you know, what, what applications necessary for these Western hunts, uh, you know, that you guys do every day. Absolutely. Jay, it's kind of like, um, you know, I've been, I, I've been using this analogy quite a bit lately and it's kind of like golf. You know, a golfer carries, you know, what, I don't know, 14 clubs in his bag, and, and he's got a guy sitting there helping him that's an expert on the course, and, you know, he's got all this information coming at him. And I, I would say, well, you know, there's guys out there that are the best golfers in the world that aren't, you know, they've got the best information and the best clubs, and the, the clubs are fit perfectly to them, and they do all this for, for specific jobs at any given time throughout the course. Well, it makes them hit better shots, and I kind of like to think of optics that way. Is that um, I, Interestingly, I saw there was a, a deal on Facebook the other day, and people were mentioning um, like our heads versus Manfrotto and, 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 and other manufacturers out there, and I thought it was interesting because everybody was going to like draw a line in the sand and say, oh, well, this head is better, and, you know, this is the only head to use. And, 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 and I have to kind of lay back and say, you know what, guys? There's no perfect, you know, uh, head or optic for every single situation. Um, there are, there are use-specific tools out there that, that, you know, that's what we're good at providing people the information is. Explain to me what kind of hunt you're going on. Explain to me what kind of terrain you're going to be in. And I will give you and help you, or, or my guys will help you, make the best decision that's going to help you throughout your hunts. Or, you know, and some guys are like, hey, I, I, um, I want the best that's going to do, you know, over a, a wide, you know, variety of different trains and situations and, and hunting styles. So 
I, there is no one best perfect situation for everything. I think it, you know, in today's day and age, we got guys that are buying scopes for for specific guns, for specific calibers, for specific hunts. We got guys that are buying binoculars. You know, uh, uh, I just had a guy buy a, a set of 1032 ELs um, that are very lightweight, small binoculars. Um, and he bought a, a, you know, one of our lightest tripods, the compact medium with a, with a micro pan head. And, 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 and then he, he literally bought a, a 65 millimeter spotting scope and his whole purpose was it wasn't for long distance, long range glassing. He was actually, he knew what couple canyons he was going to be in and he wanted the lightest weight, effective package to get up in there and get high and be able to look into those canyons and still be able to see what he was, you know, what he was looking for. Um, those are the kind of things that are, I think, essentially make us different than a lot of other companies out there because my guys um, are hunters. They're out there in the field. I expect them to take gear from the, the from the shop um, and and literally get to know it, understand it, compare them side by side. Um, you know, and basically be able to give that hunter uh, or customer that's calling every conceivable option that makes sense for him and, and educate him. And then that way, you know, I don't have to sell anything at that point. The, 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 the customers at that point understand it and kind of get to know it, and they get to make a decision on what, what's best for them. So I, I think that's what, Absolutely. I, I, you know, and Jay, I, you know, I appreciate the platform to get us out there and talk about this kind of stuff, but I think that's what the outdoorsman's even before I got here, um, you know, Floyd's been doing this for, for 34 years. And I think that's the difference is, is that he's always, you know, been the guy out there in the middle of it, doing it. And, and I'm not saying there's not other qualified people out there. I'm just saying, be careful of who you're getting your information from, because whether you're at a golf shop, getting it from a guy who's never even, you know, pulled a, pulled, pulled a, an iron from a, a bag, or whether you're, you know, at a, at a gun store getting a pair of binoculars from a guy who's never stepped out of the, the, the store, just be careful and make sure you, you get the information that's, that is specific to what your needs are. And, and I think that's what, what ultimately makes us different than other companies. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Uh, Cody, I get a lot of questions um, at the uh, on my email, jscottoutdoors at gmail.com from a lot of my podcast listeners. And I've made kind of a list of them. And I just kind of want to burn through a few of the questions. I figured rather than me answering, uh, you know, I'll chime in and give my two cents here and there. But I figured having an authority, an optics authority like yourself, uh, answering them would probably be better. I'd love to. Um, Hammer yeah, away. So, uh, one question we get is, is it easier to glass with one eye or two and why? And believe it or not, um, I've actually gotten this, I've actually gotten this question probably seven or eight times. So I think this is a great time for you to answer well, uh, that question. Um, you know, let me, let me, and what you're referring to is, is a lot of people, I think there's something that happens out there that when we get calls to the shop, I mean, this, it almost happens on a daily basis. They want a tripod. Um, when we get to the point that we ask them, you know, do they want a, an adapter for you know, their binoculars, the, the almost essentially the first words out of their mouth, well, no, I, I, don't, I don't glass off a tripod with, with, uh, with my binoculars. I just do it with a spotting scope. And, I would tell you, Jay, that, and I'm going to answer the two-eye question here in just a second. I would tell you that, number one, the, the, the three things that I absolutely try to get people to listen to is buy the best glass you can afford, put it on a tripod, and slow down. So if, if somebody would just do those three things, I don't care if you're, you're upgrading from you know, a $100 pair of glasses to a $200 or you're grading, you're going from a $500 to, you know, a $2,000, buy the best glass you can afford, put it on any tripod and slow down. If you will do those three things, you will exponentially find more deer, period, end of story. It's just the facts. When you're looking through binoculars, and, and, and this is when, 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 when that guy makes that statement, oh, I just do my spotting scope, I just use my spotting scope, I think it's the most inefficient 
use of your time to just look through a spotting scope, and I'm assuming you're probably going to ask me something about field of view later, is because that's a common question. The spotting scopes are such high power and such a, 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 a narrow field of view that it takes me twice as long to cover the same amount, if, if the distance is the same, to cover those same areas. Whereas if I used a, 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 a binocular with both eyes and a really wide field of view and having it steady on a tripod, man, you would be amazed at the movement and, and the number of deer and the amount of ground you cover in, 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 in a much more efficient way and, and much more you know, quickly. And, 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 I, and I think people just automatically find that they, 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 they just see more gain this way. Now, I'm not saying that there's, there's not moments where you pick your spotting scope up and you're looking at a specific piece of dirt that's really, you know, way far out there that you're not, quote-unquote, glassing and looking for something. I'm not saying that can't be done. But to use it as your, 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 your first or your only way of glassing, I think it's highly inefficient. Yeah, yeah I couldn't... It, well, and, 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 uh, just looking at I think, and I think people forget about is, is that, you know, by the end of the season or by, you know, I'm probably a little rusty right now. I haven't been out, um, but, you know, being that I have a good elk tag coming up in September, you know, I'll start scouting here and start moving around and start doing stuff and start looking through my glass a lot earlier in this season than I would say for a deer season. So by the time I get to September when things are, you know, when we're really starting to glass a lot, my eyes are it's it's almost like I'm exercising my eyes. So, you know, when you're using two eyes and it's way more relaxing, your, your muscles in your face aren't all, you know, you know uh, contorted and trying to keep your, your one eye squint, you know, from squinting. Um, I would tell you that, 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 that it's just way easier and, and way less eye stress. And, you know, I got people to get headaches from doing, you know, using one eye versus two, um, you know, and, and I think people need to, to basically train and use the glass as much as they can. And, and it helps their eyes become stronger and, you know, not so, you know, strained because your eyes are focusing and refocusing and moving and you're constantly open. You're not blinking as much. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into a to to uh, to glassing, um, and I and I and I'm I'm hoping I'm answering your question, and and it gives you something to, to tell some of the guys that you come up against. But um, you know, I have people that you know just can't close one eye, so we tell them to wear an eye patch. Um, there's a few other products out on the market that you know extend off spotting scopes and and you know touch to your eye that help you keep your eye closed. Quite frankly. Um, if you're doing and you're glassing enough, um, I, I think your muscles will, 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 will get stronger and, and better over time. And, and by the time the hunting season comes, um, you will be in a much better place and, uh, and, and not have near as much eye strain, uh, you know, uh, you know, by, by, by using your optics and practice, so to speak, or training, so to speak. Um, just like you would train to, to, to run up a mountain as fast as you could, you know, with doing weights and everything else. There's nothing wrong with glassing as much as you can to, to help your face muscles and, and, you know, your eyes to become stronger. I want to ask you, I want to take a quick break here, but then I want to ask you about training your eyes um, and how to get your game eye, quote unquote, on. So let's take a quick break. Sure. Have you guys heard about PhoneScope? PhoneScope is a privately held company that makes custom-molded, precisely engineered smartphone digiscoping adapters. Photographing wildlife has never been easier. Take digiscoping photos and videos from your smartphone and share them with your friends. PhoneScope stands behind their product with a 100% money-back guarantee. PhoneScope is the future of digiscoping. Get yours now. Use the JSCOT16 promo code and receive 10% discount on all purchases. Check them out at Phonescope, that's P-H-O-N-E-S-K-O-P-E dot com, or on Instagram, at Phonescope. 
Wilderness Athlete is committed to improving the health and quality of life for the outdoor athlete by providing field-tested, scientifically validated nutrition and sports performance products. Check them out at wildernessathlete.com and use the J. Scott promo code to receive 10% off any order. Cody, I know that, I mean, you brought up a great point there. Um, as the season progresses for me, I I tend to get my eyes Depending on whether I'm hunting deer or sheep or elk or whatever I'm hunting, as the season progresses and as I get more days behind the glass hunting that particular animal, you know, in the middle of a hunt or middle of scouting, I tend to get where I start to pick up and I start to recognize things that maybe two weeks before or a month before or two days before that I wasn't as keen on. Can you talk to me a little bit about uh, how to get that game eye, and then once you get that game eye, you know how to increase and make your game eye as good as you possibly can. Well, Jay, you know, and first of all, that, 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 that you know that's a you know people talk about that all the time, and and the the only true way, the only true way to fully get that what we refer to as you know you're able to see those different shapes, sizes, colors. Um, Anything that would give away an animal's presence, whether they're hidden or standing out in the open, um, truly is is time in the field. And we see it, you know, I, I know that everybody, um, I don't care what, what, what industry you're in, but, you know, whatever season it is, if, whether it's fishing or, you know, I don't know why it seems, but everybody seems to wait to the last minute. Yeah. And I would just tell you that, the, the more time in the field that you spend prior to a hunt and the more time you spend behind your glass, the more your eyes will pick up on those colors, shapes, movements, anything will deer or elk or that you're looking for, you know, faster, more quickly. And, and I, it, it, to me, it comes to time. Um, I look at, your eyes as being an investment on your hunt. And if guys, you know, if they're just, and look, everybody has different scenarios and different, but if you want to be good at it and you want to be really efficient at finding game, you've got to practice at it. Like anything else in the world. If you want to be good at it, you got to put the time in. And I think that the guys that, you know, they go buy a pair of binoculars, they, you know, they're, they're, they put it on a tripod, you know, they'll do good. But, you know, maybe it takes them three or four days or five days or whatever before their eyes, you know, are starting to come, uh, become accustomed to what they're doing. Whereas, you know, you take a guy that started, you know, like for our hunt coming up in September, we've already been glassing for a solid month. And by the time we get, you know, you can pick up a, a, an antler or a, a shine or a, you know, I mean, the inside of a leg or a dark chocolate, you know, a brown spot or a white a butt, you know, I mean, you can pick it up for miles away and it's just, it, it becomes second nature and it's only because your eyes are completely in tune with its surroundings. And it's just that ability to, to, to detect those small things and, and, and doing very efficiently and very quickly. And I, I yeah, think and it, I, I think another thing too, as you mentioned, slow down. And I think part of getting a good at game eye is, I think you have to know when to glass quickly and when to really slow cool. down and try and pick up, you know, eyelashes flicking, you know, tails flicking, uh, you know, a deer shaking. I mean, all sorts of stuff. Uh, and every animal has different characteristics. You know, the yellow horn of a of a sheep that's bedded in the rocks and all you see is yep. the horn. I mean, you have to learn to uh, train yourself to, you know, glass quickly and then slow down, glass quickly, slow down, and you have to have somewhat of a mix of that, I think, in order to be efficient, because glassing quickly, you want to be covering those high percentage areas yep. that, you know, saddles and, and open areas and stuff where you think game are going to be moving through, but then there's also times when you want to, and even at prime time, you want to slow down and, like, really look into the oak brush or really look into the mesquite and try and catch that deer that's bedded you know, where, where all of a sudden you see a black nose and you realize that, oh, that's a coos deer buck. He's looking right at me, He's, you know, 400 yards away. And if you would have been going fast, you would have never seen it. Yeah, Jay, that, 
I think this, you know, the, the, obviously the putting the tripod and the, the, the good optics is one thing, but I think, um, and I know you and I have sat on hills and watched people do this, and we sat there and watched people do this together. You watch them get out of the truck, you know, or maybe they just crawled up over their own little peak. They they sit down, and, you know, we've been sitting in a place for three hours and seen, you know, 15, 20 deer, and, 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 and they pull up over the saddle and they sit down and they look for 10 or 15 minutes and they walk, they just leave. Yeah. And you're like, man, it took us two hours to cover all the stuff that they just looked at. They don't even know that there's deer across from them. And yeah. it, it's just like, and if you could reach into their, to their mind and just go, Hey bud, just sit down and stay a while, slow up, yeah. just relax, yeah. enjoy yeah. the weather, enjoy, enjoy the moment. And, and I promise you, if you're diligent with it and you stay after it, you know, I've always, you know, I think that sometimes, you know, I I, I made that that statement to you about being frustrated with the the strip, and and you know, I'm a glasser. I can will deer to stand up and you know come out of a tree, and you know this and and, and the strip will just you know there's the, the deer density is just not what what it is in some of these other places, and you just you're 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 just wanting to to stay on it and and if you will do it and you're in a, at least a decent area with deer man if you just be patient things will happen yeah you know it, it and i just think people get way way too big of a hurry yeah way I too agree big of a hurry you. now cody you mentioned go I'm, ahead and by the way i'm not saying that there shouldn't be times that you don't like floyd likes to call it power glassing and it's when you know that you're in kind of a quote unquote a target rich environment and you know the deer are moving and you know things are up like a typical rut situation and it's like what you were talking about, you, you those high percentage areas, you're just you're 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 banging around those from, from spot to spot to spot. Maybe you've been in there a hundred times and you know that's where the deer are gonna you know, you're just kinda waiting and you're just checking your hot spots. And there is an absolute time to do that. But there's there's also a time to slow down and methodically, um, you know, break country apart. And, and you know, I, I, you and I have talked about gridding before. And, um, you know, guys will say up and down, left and right. Um, I don't care how you do it. Um, I, I always let the, the, the terrain dictate, you know, how I'm going to either grid a place, you know, top to bottom or bottom to top or sides. So I just I let the terrain dictate that for me. Um, and, and also have I been in there before, is it new country? Um, you know, but again, uh, there, there are times to power glass and there are times to, to slow down and be, and be methodical and, and, uh, and look at every single piece of dirt across the Cody, I get the question a lot, uh, what is field of view? And then I get a lot of questions, people asking me, should I get eights, tens, twelves, fifteens, thirty twos? And, why is field of view important? Um, can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, field of view is simply, you know, it's typically measured in a thousand yards, and it's the number of feet um, that a certain power, um, you know, basically it, it's, you know, 300 foot. Uh, a, a typical 10 by 42 binocular will have, you know, roughly a, a 300 to, um, yeah, 300 to 330 foot field of view. Um, you know, an eight power will typically have a 400 foot field of view. Um, a 15 power drops to, uh, or a 12 power rather will be a 300 foot field of view. A, uh, a 15 power will be a, uh, like a 236 foot field of view. So let's just take those numbers a little bit. The field of view is when you look at your, when you're looking through your binocular, if you were to take at a thousand yards, uh, in a known distance, and you were to measure from one side of your binocular to the other, okay, you would be measuring the 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 the, the number of feet that you have in your in your vision. So, um, you know, Jay, the biggest thing that typically dictates on whether a guy wants a lot of field of view or you know a real wide field of view is the kind of terrain he's hunting. Um, I, I know that, the, you know, you know, I carry eights around my neck and have for years, um, when we're chasing elk because, you know, my binoculars have a 408 foot field of view and, you know, I can see a really wide swath of, of trees in front of me 
and when you're trying to pinpoint know exactly where that bull's going to break through the the brush and and you get your first glimpse at him you know sometimes that that second that you know just that millisecond that you see him before he sees you you can make a decision on man that's a shooter bull or that's not a shooter bull and maybe if you had a 10 power maybe you didn't catch him coming in the corner of your eye and maybe you know you had to switch your field of views and move left or right to pick him up and all of a sudden you know he's on top of you before you know he got the best of you and now you're caught and you, you, you can't make a decision that quick. I mean, you know, maybe he's a good shooter bull and, and he's on top of you faster than you wanted to be. So I think field of view is, is, is almost always dictated by the, again, we talk about, you know, use specific tools. Um, you know, a guy that uh, is going to, you know, glass at very long ranges probably doesn't want as much field of view. He wants power to really get in there and dissect the country. So um, I, I always look at it that, uh, generally speaking, um, eights and tens around your neck. Um, I think a guy can occasionally get by with a 12 around his neck because you have, you know, um, there, there's a, Jay, there's a, a part of the equation that comes into this. Um, when you have an eight power that you're holding, you're hand holding without a tripod, just on your chest, that will appear and will be less shaky and less movement and it's easier to handhold them than a 15 you know in in contrast than a 15 power so you got 400 foot field of view of one and then you know you got 230 foot field of view on the 15 and you're trying to handhold it on this very pointed little area it becomes very difficult and darn near you know very few people can handhold a 15 with any you know, with any, you know, real steadiness. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and, you know, and I, I think Jay, that, you know, maybe the first year, and I can't remember, um, I think the first year that the 1250s came out, I think you actually, maybe you were in 23 North that year and you used the 1250s around your neck. Did you not? I did. And I find that like 12 power for me is about the max that I can actually handhold. Just like you said, I cannot, I have a little handshake as, uh, you know, the older I get, it seems like my handshake even more than, uh, you know, there's a little bit of a tremble. And so uh, 15 power binoculars for sure I cannot handhold. I mean, I, I literally um, can't use them to just check a deer, you know, if you're trying to shoot it. I, I mean, so I try and stay with, you know, like a 10 power around my neck or a 12 power um, but yeah, when those 12 by 50 Swarovskis came out, uh, I used them for a whole elk season and I love them. Um, I'm going to tell you that I probably stick with my 10 ELs or my 10 EL range more around my neck just because of that, you know, fact of being able to have less shake, uh, to be able to have that wider field of view. Yep. And, you know, there's a happy medium like you were talking with field of view and power. And I get a question from a lot of people and they're like, well, what is that happy medium? Well, my answer is a 10 by 42 binocular is pretty hard to beat in most applications. So if you, if you just, you know, a lot of people say, if you just could buy one J, what would you buy? For me, a 10 by 42 and, you know, let's, I'm a Swarovski guy. I love Swarovski. Everything I have is Swarovski except for my big Koas, but there's a lot of other great manufacturers that make 10 by 42 binocular. And I tend to tell people, if you're just looking for a good all around glass that you can use from everything from, you know, cooster glassing to sheep glassing to, you know, going in the, you know, doll sheep hunting, uh, at, and even hand to hand combat stuff in, <laughs> in the thick timber with, uh, with bull elk or, or Turkey, I think a 10 by 42 is pretty hard to beat for, for sure. overall binocular, yeah. if you could just buy one. Well, and I, I think, Jade, to add to that, you know, I think I remember, you know, Gino uh, Wolcotti, which I know you've had on the uh, on the podcast before, you know, Gino's a 1050 guy, and and, and, and he just, he, he loves that piece of glass, and as, as duly noted, you know, it's, uh, it, 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 most people would completely, they don't understand that even if you have a 10-power piece of glass, and I would even make the argument, uh, an eight power, if people put them on a tripod, 
okay? And, and, and granted, you're not going to use a 10, on, you know, you're going to use a 10 mostly around your neck, but even if you put a 10 power or an 8 power binocular on a tripod, I think people would be really surprised, really surprised of how much gain they actually will see if they would just put those on a tripod and literally take a morning and, and, and spend scanning just like you would, you know, if they were on your chest, but just really spend some time with them. I think people would be really surprised at how much gain they actually see. And not just because they see it, oh my God, there's a deer standing right in the middle of my screen, but you'll catch that little movement of like a deer moving, you know, into your screen, or maybe he's walking or, you know, or you know, I don't know, maybe you catch a, a couple of does or a fawns running around like, and all of a sudden you just caught that, that, that little movement out of your eye and you, you, you move your binocular and you're like, oh my God, there's, you know, there's, there's three or four deer standing there. So I think people would really be surprised with, by, um, I have a friend of mine that, you know, it's a, he's a Phoenix firefighter here in town. His name is Chase Grunewald and he's a really good friend of mine. And, and, you know, his dad's been hunting and all over the, you know, Arizona and it's just a great family. And I went on a, a another buddy's elk hunt one time and, and he pulls out a pair of eight by 56 binoculars which by the way is the same body and it was really where the 15s came from the 1556 Swarovskis and he puts them on a tripod and so we really got to I got to ask him and talk to him about why he does that and and really Chase found as many animals as I did he just maybe had to slow down a little bit and and see those those details at a longer distance but it would be you know people would just be amazed just by putting things on a on a tripod of how much more they can see even with less power. So going back to your whole thing about being versatile, a 10 by 42 on a tripod or on your chest, I don't know that there's a better combination. Yeah, and I mean, I will even say that when, no matter what I'm hunting, uh, when I have either my 10 by 42 EL range or my 10 by 42 ELs around my neck, most all the time I get to my glassing point wherever I'm at, and I pop my, my chest binoculars, either my 10, my ELs or my, my uh, EL range, and I pop them because I have your outdoorsman's uh, bino adapter, and I pop them on the tripod. And I will usually spend the first five minutes whenever I get to a glassing spot looking with my chest binoculars. And I'm mostly looking fast, just scanning, trying to use that wide field of view, and just trying to cover pretty much everything that's in quote-unquote rifle range for me, you know, four or 500 yards from me, glassing quickly, just making sure I'm not catching, you know, missing a deer that's just up feeding that, you know, right away I could get either my hunter or if I'm hunting myself set up and, and get that deer shot. And then I'll go and put my chest binoculars in my bino pouch and then I'll dig out of my pack my 15s and then I'll start going to work. Exactly. Uh, and, and not that I'm not still looking close, but I think if people would just take the tip of when they first get to where they're glassing, use the binoculars that are around your neck and, and look at everything fairly quickly, close, and eliminate the, the, the gimme well, exactly, and, and then go to the bigger so, glass. Cody Goff and I call that, we, 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 you look for the easy targets and the escape routes. Give me the easy stuff and, and the places where, where deer or elk or, you know, like, it, like if they were going to leave right now, we look at those saddles that are, you know, it, like we look at those easy escape routes and those e easy targets, and, and we always do that with the handhelds. Now, I know you and Dar are pretty methodical about some of the stuff, but when Cody and I sneak over into like a canyon, one of us, we will both hit those escape routes and easy, easy targets first. But as one of us is getting the tripods out and getting settled that way, the other is still scanning with, you know, w w you know, w w we are scanning all those easy targets. And then as that other person is getting set up, now Cody can go and put his, you know, his binocular in, on a tripod and do that. So we methodically, like we think about it, like, you know, we're going into a, a canyon and sneaking over through a saddle and we're trying to be as quiet as possible. But, you're also trying not to let the easy things get away from you real quickly because yeah, you and I both sure. know I mean, we've watched people walk over a saddle and had deer lay down. I mean, literally yards from them. They didn't even know the deer was there and the deer just lay down. The, those deer are better at knowing our presence than we are. 
And yeah, and I think too, when you're disturbing and you're walking up, even if you're on the backside of a hill, you never know what might have seen you. They just hopped around, and and if you have to wait that 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 minute or two minutes to get your tripod, get everything set up, and get ready, that deer's already through that saddle. Whereas if you come up, you glass for you know just a second with your with your yep. hand holding, you're just looking, but then you pop your tripod and you're just you know a lot of times my pack's still around my on my shoulders yeah, and I, absolutely. I I know that I need to scan that but I also need to scan it quickly with my tripod so a lot of times before I crest over I'll have the tripod exactly in my hand set up at the height that I want and I'll just crest over so I'm not skylined and then I'll just kind of sit on my knees basically and just be looking through my tripod but really fast scanning and that's um actually helped me uh, find some of those gimme uh, well, animals. About, what about the guys who, and we've all been in this scenario, you're, you know, maybe you were late this morning, maybe you ran into deer on the way up and you sat and glassed and you didn't quite to get to your, well, you know, our little perch or eagle's nest where we can see everything from a top. And what if that was just a grueling hike? How many guys do you see or have you been out with that are maybe new to you? And they go charging up the hill and they blow themselves right up over the top and then they stand there and they, they, you know, they take off all their, their layers and they're breathing. They're not even glassing. It's almost like they get to the top and they put their arms up like Rocky, yeah, like I, I yeah, made like, it. Hey, I just of, won the battle. And I'm like, well, that's yeah. great, but, you're, man, you're losing right now. I yeah. mean, you know, people, if they would just, like, you know, before you top out, like there's a lot of times where, you know, I'll top, you know, before we even top out, hey, we'll take our packs off right there. We'll, we'll get our gear ready. We'll sneak up over the edge. We'll look at everything we need to. And, you know, then we, we, we kind of make it a slow, you know, assault rather than, you know, we just charge through the top and announce your presence with authority because you're, it just, I just laugh at, at, at some of that people. And I'm not, it's not even trying to make fun of guys, but it, you know, I mean, sometimes getting to that hill, it, maybe it was an accomplishment. I don't know, but I would certainly, you know, not, I, I would try to be a lot less, you know, uh, noisy or, 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 you know, skyline yourself or any number of things. I, I would rather just be quiet and, and, and take a breather on the backside of the hill and then slowly walk up and, and, and get in, into a good glassing position. Yeah, for sure. Um, we're going to take a quick break here. Sure. Um, but to add to that, one thing, one tip I can give people is pretend that the deer or the elk or the sheep or whatever you're hunting, pretend they're going to shoot back at you. <laughs> and and if, if if you keep that in the back of your mind, and, and I, I, I did not serve in the military, and I love all of our guys, that men and women that have, and but I've hunted with some guys that have been in the military, and they have that approach because they're used to people shooting back at them. But if, if even if you're on a deer hunt, if you go up there with the mentality that that animal can shoot back at you, you're going to act in a you're going to you're going everything you do is going to be different yep. than if you just think that they they and when you're thinking that they're going to shoot back at you, they're really shooting back at you with their eyes. If they see you, the gig is up. So think of it like, hey, if I just come blasting over this hill, they can shoot me dead to rights. You're going to act differently. Well, you know, and say there's 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 another thing too that I always laugh at, and, and I know we got to go to break here real quick, but there is nothing more dejecting to go and and, and look. It, we we're talking about other people making the mistake, mistake, but you and I oh, both I've know. I've done it a hundred times. <laughs> I was going to say, let's be honest <laughs> with each other. Yeah. We've all made this mistake, but you go charging up to the hill. And, and all of a sudden, you, you like, and I'm talking more whitetail on this kind of deal, but all of a sudden you see the the white flags waving goodbye to you, and you're like, you know, and the big buck just follows him right over the deal, and you're like, well, that was that was a whole lot of waste of, you know, I mean, getting up here for nothing because the deer that I wanted, you know, be looking at, they're gone. And, it, it, I mean, I would just rather slow down, not yeah. be so crazy going through something. But, uh, yeah, I, I, like your, uh, I like your thought of the, uh, the deer shooting back because that – that might just make people slow down a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Let's take a quick break here. Yes, sir. Utah Hydrographics is in the water transfer printing service, and they are open to whatever you can dream up. Choose from a wide range of camel patterns, designs, and colors. 
whether it's guns, bows, tools, rifle stocks, vehicles, steering wheels, fenders, dashboards, paint guns, fishing rods, cups, tripods, watches, knife grips, helmets for a local sports team or for your motorcycle, picture frames, mailbox, animal skulls, you name it, they can probably do it. Utah Hydrographics loves taking things that are general looking and turns them into something that looks fantastic and eye-popping. Give them a call and see what they can do for you and receive up to a 10% discount by using the J. Scott 16 promo code. Visit them at utahhydrographics.com or on Instagram at Utah Hydrographics. Whether you are interested in elk, deer, antelope, bighorn sheep, or moose, Western Hunter and Elk Hunter magazines will bring the adventure to your mailbox. These publications feature articles on the finest hunting gear, tips and tactics from experienced hunters, field judging trophies, glassing techniques, calling strategies, and much more. To become a more knowledgeable and skilled hunter, subscribe today. Go to westernhunter.net forward slash jscott and enter your email address for a chance to win a $1,500 credit towards any Swarovski product. Cody, another uh, question that I get a lot from people is they say, I, I, ha- I have an 8 or 10 power binocular and I can either get a pair of 15s or I can get a spotting scope. So and and then some people ask me the same question. They say, I have a mediocre pair of eight by ten chest binoculars, and I can afford to buy a high quality spotting scope, or should I buy a great pair of fifteens and have an average quality spotting scope? And it, I guess it depends on the day you ask me, and I answer it differently. Just sometimes, maybe I feel them out a little bit, but it's a it's a question I get a lot, and I'm curious well, which how you would answer that. Again, um, Jay, there's 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 never any wrong answer because you know we can make that scenario fit for just about any situation, but um, it is not. We we get that scenario a lot. Number one, number two. Um, if a guy has, let's just say a guy has a set of, uh, you know, uh, matter of fact, it, it's funny that we're talking about this because I just had this conversation with your, your nephew. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay was talking about, Hey, look, I've got a, 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 a good pair, meaning I think he has the Viper, uh, 1042 HDs from Vortex, which, you know, in its own right is a great, I like to get, to me, it's a great start off binocular. Um, I mean, it's a really good quality binocular. And you're talking about my nephew, Jay Pyburn, yes, by the way. Yes, correct. Yes. And okay. so, you know, we, we started to talk. I'm like, that is not a bad pair of binoculars. You can use it on your chest. You can put it on a tripod, and you're going to find game. You're going to be good with it. So the next scenario was as well, okay, so if I have that pair on my chest, you know, do I sell those and do I, you know, I mean, do, what do I start doing to get into the next level? And, and, and for me, it's real simple. If you have a good pair of chest binoculars, I would rather see a guy go with a, a really good pair of 15s, you know, if, if that's what he so desires. And then, you know, and then someday, you know, obviously he can get a, a, a spotting scope as well. But there is an argument. I've had guys that, you know, they're happy with their chest binoculars, and and we make it so they can mount it on a tripod. And I have guys that will go full bore, and they want a good spotting scope because they can find the game pretty good, but then they really want to be able to study it with the spotting scope. Jay, there's there's no real wrong answer in that that equation. Um, I, I think it all comes back to when a guy gets to those levels, um, you know, again, buy the best glass you can, you, you can put it on a tripod and slow down. So if you do those three things, the, all those scenarios are working for guys. Yeah. And I, I think too, I, I, I ask guys, you know, how much into trophy hunting are you and how important is the size of the buck or the bull or the ram or, or whatever you're hunting or, you know, how important is it? Is it a 105 inch buck or is it a 108 inch buck or is it a 112 inch buck? 
you know, well, uh, can well, you, and they asked me, well, can you tell the difference with 15s, whether it's 100 or whether it's uh, 75? And I say, absolutely. Well, they say, well, can you tell the difference between a 90 and a 105? And I say, most of the time, yes, depending on distance. Then they say, well, can you tell the difference between a 95 and a 105? And I go, sometimes you can't. Yeah. Sometimes so, Jay, that's what when about, having the spotting. I, I think this is a great scenario. We have a number of guides that call from, you know, uh, north of the border. And, and well, and, and a lot of sheep guides either way. But, you know, a lot of those, you know, they have to kill full coral rams or they have to be a certain age class, right? Yeah. Well, I, I don't. Look, I've never been on a sheep hunt. I have glass for doll sheep. Um, you know, I've seen what they look like at distance through binoculars. Um, again, you know, that's one of my bucket list deals, and hopefully one day I'll get to do that. But I talk to those guides every single day, and they'll tell you. I've talked to Floyd. I've talked to all the guys that have hunted doll sheep and stone sheep and the whole deal. It's not that they're the most difficult animal to pick up, but when you've got to start looking at growth rings – and you got to look at, you know, exactly does that ram come full curl or not? Those those guys are more apt to use a 10, but then they need the power to really study it with the best, you know, bind, or the best uh, spotting scope they can get. So yeah. there is a scenario where, you know, that guy, you know, he's got to use his binos and then he's got to really study them with a spotting scope. And and you know what? And that, you know, that's a legality thing. So he, you know, those guys, you know, they're not, well, they're not supposed to, I mean, they, they're not, you know, they can get in trouble if they screw up. Yeah. So, um, you know, you know, you know, that's their livelihood. So I think that there's scenarios again, and I'm going to use the term, use specific tools that, that make all these scenarios work for guys. The one mistake I would think that people make the most and Jay, I know over the years with you guiding and I've been in enough of camps, the one guy that I always kind of think misses the boat a little bit is the guy that literally buys the 15s and nothing else. He, he's like, he, now he's got like a one trick pony. He's, he's looking at far distances and then he, he's trying to use them as a chest binocular and it, it, um, it just doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work. And that's it, my answer to a lot of guys is, you know, if you're a coos deer hunter specifically and you want to hunt coos, I think 15s are essential I think if you're not as detail-oriented, you know, you don't care whether the buck's 100 or 105, you're going to shoot it either way, I'd go with just the, the great pair of 15s. Yep. If, if you're a guy that, you know, really wants to get into trying to, you know, shoot a buck that's, you know, or, or a bull that's a certain size and you really need to start nitpicking those antlers, I'm going to tell you that probably a 10 by 42 on a tripod and probably buy the best spotting scope that you can afford uh, and, and go that route. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so and back to one thing you had said earlier in our conversation, uh, to me, my eyes were completely, uh, opened. I, the first pair of good binoculars I had was a pair of Zeiss 10 by 40, the black ones, you the, know, they're just the, the, the standard, the, the old stamp. Yeah. The classic thing. Great. The glass in them was great. And I didn't use them on a tripod. I mainly just handheld them. And then Dara and I, from the outdoorsman's, got our first pair of 10 by 42 SLC Swarovskis, <laughs> and we mounted them on a tripod. And at that time, it was like a Webster's. It was like a Velcro. Oh, that was ma- the old mounting. Yeah, it, it was the old original Webster bar, which then became yeah. the Sherlock. Um, and it was a machined bar with pads on it with with a, with uh, Velcro loops. Yeah, and once we got those, I mean, even as archaic as I would say they are now, and I would probably <laughs> laugh if I if I saw someone using them. Not that you can't, because I used to. But the difference between the, the solid bino adapter stud that you guys make is a completely different system and totally way better. But going back to that, using that Velcro system and being able to sit down with 10 by 42 SLC Swarovskis, it changed, it changed our game. Well, I mean, absolutely. we went... It went. We went from hiking every ridge to just jumping deer and doing all that to just we thought we could see everything. And honestly, I think with a good pair of ten by forty two binoculars on a tripod, you you can be deadly. Well, I wouldn't let anybody tell you you couldn't be. And yes, there's applications where twelves and fifteens 
are fantastic, and I use 12s and 15s, but a 10 by 42 on a tripod, you can glass for anything. Jay, I, and I'm not even embarrassed to say this, because back in the day, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, the glass to have was like 1040 classics from Zeiss and, 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 and 1560, you know, from, from, uh, from Zeiss. Yeah. And those were like the big dogs. I mean, that if you saw somebody with those, you knew that they, they either knew what they were doing or that they were really good at what they were doing. And I used to figure out, I, I mean, there was a time when I used to have surgical tubing and I was trying to figure out how to take an, uh, and don't laugh at me now, but I used to have a pair of nine by 25 loopholed pocket binoculars. And they were in back in those days, those were actually, they, they, they had the lights. Uh, yeah, I remember those. They, lights. I mean, those, they were like an OD green, like an eight, like an eight powered light. Now, I'm going to say this. I'm going to make this announcement because if anybody found those, <laughs> and they were, uh, and and you know how rough the road is to Turkey Creek, you know, go, come on, uh, you know, going to Parsons Grove in 32. Uh-huh, if uh-huh. anybody found those nine by 25s, I'd like them back <laughs> because they're still sitting out there somewhere, and I think I know exactly where they're at. But I, 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 I have made it back in there a few times on different sheep hunts and and coos deer hunts that I've never been able to, to uh, fully retrace my steps, but somebody has my pair of 9 by 25 uh, uh, loophole lights binoculars that I'd like back if somebody would just please let me know they have them. And by the way, that was, I think, uh, it was almost 20 years ago. It's amazing to see how far... Actually, let's take a quick break here, Cody. Guys, I want to thank you for listening to episode 148 with Cody Nelson of The Outdoorsman's. This was such a good interview and episode, I decided to break it into two parts. So make sure you catch episode 149, part two with Cody Nelson on the next episode.